Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Praise God. Glad that everybody is in the house today. Let's make a good confession before we're seated and we get into the word today. Um, I want you to repeat after me. Say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. See, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Say, he satisfies all my needs. He protects me coming and going. He set me in a high place. He has blessed me. He's called me. He's equipped me. And he surrounds me. Say, Lord, I receive your word today. Say this. Say, let it fall on good ground in my heart. I believe and I receive it in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord another clap offering today, if you would, please. Go ahead and be seated today in God's presence. So good to have Aunt Jean and Uncle Richard in the house as well. Love you guys. Welcome. You are always welcome here. So wanted to begin a new series with you today. It's called Called to One. Someone say Called to One. Called to One. I love the story of Jesus and the people he ministered to and how he reached out to them and how he'd be in a crowd and he would focus on one. He would hone in on one person. Pastor Jen's going to continue this next week. It's actually Pastor Fabian and Pastor Jen that inspired this series. So she's going to be speaking a message next week that's similar. I believe it's called To the One. But a few months ago, Pastor Fabian got a revelation again, and we began to get a revelation, and that is how one person matters, how powerful one is. And I'm going to begin the message by saying this. If Jesus died for all, then he died for one as well, didn't he? If everybody matters, then you matter. If everybody matters, then you matter. If he died for all, he died for one, and that's me and you as well. So let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 11. And I just love this story. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. You've been in a funeral. You've probably wept in a funeral. Many of you in here have lost somebody. So you know how funerals are. You've experienced them for yourself. Look at this situation. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. She had no husband, and now her only son had died. So it sounds like she was all alone unless she had a daughter. So the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large what? Crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, Jesus saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. He said, don't cry. <laughs> then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, he's speaking to a dead man. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. That's how you'd know I was alive. I would sit up and begin to talk immediately. Ask my wife. That's how I sit up in the morning if she's awake and I begin to talk. So the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Can you imagine that moment? He's talking, and Jesus said, here, here you go. 
you get your son back. You get your son back. Look at this. Great fear and awe and wonder and amazement swept the crowd. And they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. Oh, yes, much more than a mighty prophet. And God has visited his people today. Verse 17, and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. So I just want to talk to you about a few things today about God and who God is and how we see that if he is called to one, then we are called to one. You study the life of Jesus and he dealt with one person at a time. He also dealt with the large crowds. He also dealt with his 12. He also dealt with his inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. But oftentimes, male or female, boy or girl, grown man or grown woman, Jesus dealt with people one-on-one. He did often. And this is what's been recorded. We don't know how many other times he, he did it. He must have done it a lot more times because at the end of the book of John, John said, man, if we put everything that Jesus did in a book, he said, I suppose there wouldn't be enough books in the world to capture it all. Jesus was constantly working. He was God in the flesh. And so he was always reaching out. And he shows us that we are called to one. Someone say called to one. Today, as you hear this message today, you're going to hear about some attributes of God and who he is and what he does as it ties in to being called to one. But I want you to think about that person that God's been leaning on you about. Take a moment. Let's just pause. Has God been dealing with you about that one person in your life and you need to reach out to them? Think about it. Sure. Maybe a relative, maybe a co-worker, maybe somebody you see at the store often, or maybe maybe your company works with their company and you see them often. Maybe they're in invoicing or you're in invoicing and or, or they're in sales and you bump into each other a lot. Your jobs tend to correlate and coincide. I want you to think about that as you hear this message today. Is who am I called to? I love the help a home ministry that Pastor John heads up because they go to houses one by one. I've helped a few times, or maybe once or twice this go around, but I remember back in the day we would do that as well. And it's one house at a time, really one person at a time, because usually one person answers the door at a time, right? It's rare when the whole family answers the door. I mean, I don't know if has that ever happened, the whole family answered the door. Not usually. Maybe it's a mom and a baby. Maybe it's a dad and a kiddo. Maybe it's a person and a mean dog. But it's usually one person at a time. We're called to one. In reading this story today, and you can see it in many of the stories told about Jesus, one on, his one-on-one experience and his experiences with people, is that, number one, God is timely. Someone say Timely. We used to sing a song in here, and I love repeating it. He's an on-time God. How many of you are, let's just be honest, you know I love surveys. How many of you are late to stuff? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, watch this. That's okay. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you are early to stuff? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, I'm one of those, usually I'd rather go and wait an hour instead of being five minutes late. That's just me. I'm a free spirit. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's training. I don't know what. But I'd rather just go up and people are like, why are you? I was like, oh, I'll wait. I'll read. I'll just be here. I'll be here on time. 
But I've noticed that God is always right on time. His timing is perfect every time. And here's the thing, though. You don't always know it in the moment. When you're waiting on God, it doesn't take a prophet to know that you've been up at night sometimes going, God, when? Do you even hear me? Oh, he hears you. You need to trust and believe his timing today. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's perfectly on time every time. Somebody say every time. He showed up at this funeral right on time. Right on time. Remember the story of Lazarus? It looked like Jesus missed it, but he didn't. Remember Martha ran out to him? He was headed to their village, and Lazarus had been sick, but Jesus had been doing other things. He knew he, knew he was sick, but he knew this was going to be for God's glory. And when Jesus showed up, Martha ran out to him and said, Lord, if you had just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus just said, do you believe? She said, oh, yes, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, "Mm -hmm. I am the resurrection and the life. Though folks were dead, yet will they live. They will live. He was right on time because he showed up. And guess what? He raised Lazarus from the dead. But Martha said, Lord, have you just been here? That's how we think, right? But here's the amazing thing about Martha's story. Even in the midst of not completely understanding his timing, she trusted him. She said, Lord, I believe you are who you say, say you are. You are the Messiah. You are the, the, the chosen one of God. You are from God. I believe. But you could have been here a little earlier and he wouldn't have died. Well, he, he raised Lazarus from the dead anyway. And you know what? Scripture says... Scripture says that the Lord, this is Ecclesiastes 3.11, that the Lord has made everything beautiful in its time. Someone say beautiful in its time. We don't always see it in that moment. But when you look back on the goodness of God, you look back on family, you look back on, man, even pets you've owned and, and properties you've had and vehicles you've had, you say, wow, that was beautiful in its time. You look back and go, wow, Lord, thank you. I look back on my life with my mom. And I say, wow, Lord, she died at 65. We don't understand everything, but we know you're good and we trust your timing. We don't know exactly why you allowed it to happen then, but you did perfectly good, God, because you're a good God. I trust his timing. He's a timely God. You know, summer late, summer early. I remember back in the day, Jonathan and I had a friend that he was in the youth group, and we'd show up. Every time we'd show up to leave town together or go do something, the guy would go, man, and he would complain about it. He'd go, you guys are always early. I guess he didn't feel ready. <laughs> he said, we were always early. I want to tell you today that God is always on time. He's not late. He's not early. He is right on time. Ecclesiastes 3.1, we're not going to go there. You can if you have your Bible. Scripture says there is an appointed time and a season for everything. That tells me once again that God's timing is just right. His timing is just right. We don't get it all. Even though he's placed eternity in our hearts, we can't see the beginning from the end. We can't see all of it. He's placed eternity in our hearts. We have a desire to know sometimes. And we know we're going to be in heaven with him one day. But sometimes, you know how it is, you just don't quite get it. And you as a human, me as a human, we as humans, we say, Lord, I just don't get it. 
That's where faith comes in. You keep believing and know that he's an on-time God. His timing is always perfect. He is timely. God is timely. So trust his timing. I know by the Spirit of God that I'm speaking directly to someone today. I can't see your face in my mind. I don't know who you are, even though I can see all your faces out here. But there are those of you in here, and it's several. You've had your doubts, and it's concerning God's timing. And you've said, God, I've asked, I've prayed. Why? I don't get it. You know, the psalmist even said one of the great, greatest of all time. He was a man who had a heart after God's own heart. He wrote a psalm, and he said, How long will you forget, O Lord? Think God really forgets? No, it's just the way the psalmist felt. He said, it's because God was delayed in his answer or seemed to be delayed. Lord, if you would have just, if you would have just. And God says, my timing is perfect. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. God says, nothing can change my love for you. Nothing can make you make me love you more or less, and my timing for you is perfect because I love you. God gives you things when you can handle them. And many things are tests. Did you know many times the waiting is a test? See if you'll complain. Many times the waiting is character building, and many are like, oh, man, I don't need my character built anymore. Just that statement proves that you need more work on your character. I always need character building so we know that God is timely, and he's doing it for a reason. His time is just right. He's always, always on time. I want to get that into your spirit today. So those of you that are waiting, those of you that have struggled with doubts, those of you who said, like the psalmist, Lord, how long will you forget? When, O oh Lord? When are you going to deal with the people who have messed with me? When are you going to help me with this? When are you going to? God says, I am right on time, and I'm with you always until the end of the age. He will take care of it. Somebody say amen. Number two, God is purposeful. Just know that there are no coincidences with God. There's no happenstance. It just happened in this circumstance like this. It was an accident. No, it's not how, that's not how God works. I learned this a long time ago. I began to really settle on this. Even as a teenager, I said, man, there are no coincidences. God is working. There's things he does directly. There's things he allows. But either way, if you've surrendered control of your life to God, he is working in you, for you, and through you. And he's not done. God is purposeful. Romans 8.28 proves it. We could go to verse after verse after verse. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Always. And he doesn't make mistakes or, or do things by accident. It's always interesting to me in Scripture, you hear in the Old Testament, and their revelation of God was a little different from ours with, now that we have the New Testament. They'd talk to the prophet, and they'd say, maybe the Lord your God has heard the things they're saying. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Lord your God is aware of the situation. Oh, yeah, he's aware of everything. He's everywhere at once by his Spirit. He knows all things, and he's all-powerful. And I know sometimes in our humanity we say, you know what? I don't know, man. It, it feels like, does God even care? Does God even know? Uh, we'll get into some of that this morning. We'll get into some of that. But I know this. He's not a God of accidents. You may look at the president or previous presidents and say, man, everything they did is an accident. 
I'm not bad-mouthing anyone. I'm just saying humans. Even humans in important roles, you say, man, they're, they're accidental. Just things happen, and they're reactive. Not God. It's not an accident. He's a God of plan, purpose, and design. Would you say that with me? Say, God is a God of plan, purpose, and design. Raise your hand this time. Let's make sure you get that in your spirit, your soul. Say, God is a God of plan, purpose, and design. One more. Keep those hands in the air. Say, God is a God of plan, purpose, and design. Okay, you can put your hands down. I know you're getting, some of you are like, oh, man, I got tired. You're all right. He's a God of plan, purpose, and design. I love telling mine and Jen's story. I'm not going to tell you all of it. But it was so amazing that Elaine and I felt led to be involved with Teen Mania. It was Ron Luce's ministry in the 90s into the 2000s. And it was mostly a young, young person. It was a ministry geared for young people. They did Acquire the Fire. And they had Teen Mania. They had Global Expedition. So they would send missionaries out. And it was amazing because God had spoken to Elaine. And she was up one night watching the Christian Channel. And they were, there was an advertisement for mission trips. So she wanted to do that. And around the same time, God spoke to me. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I said, man, I'm going to take my youth group up there. I was youth pastor at the time, 2001. I said, I'm going to take my youth group up there so we can be part of their, it was called extreme summer camps. And it's amazing to me that as Elaine got involved, she did a mission trip to Costa Rica, 2001, 2002, she went again, and my brother joined her, and they went to Peru. Well, guess what? <clears throat> guess what? Somehow, Jen was one of the team leaders. Is that the correct phrase? One of the team leaders on that trip. And ironically, the year before, when I went in 2001, I was in one of the services giving God glory in 2001. And I loved the services for lots of reasons, because God's anointing fell, and the worship was powerful, and they'd have dancing and all this cool stuff, but it was air-conditioned in there, too. Adrian, you, you remember? Nothing else was air-conditioned on that whole property, not the restrooms, not nothing. It was hot. We slept in huts without air conditioning. But anyway, and I remember I was in one of those services and God spoke to me. And he said, I'm going to use this ministry to bring you your wife. I'll never forget. Here I was, a young youth pastor, dressed all ugly at the service, cut off, tie-dyed shirt, probably cut off shorts. Had a youth member tell me one time, he's like, man, I don't know how girls would notice you kind of dress weird. He, he actually said that, and I went, what? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, that was insensitive. I'm like, oh, well, I guess, wow, okay. But here we are in the service, and God began to speak to me, and he said, I'm going to use this ministry to connect you with your wife. And I'll never forget, I was, I was worshiping God, and I went. Oh, Lord, speak to me now, Lord. I'm here. You spoke to me already. Spoke to me once. Do it again. How long, oh, Lord? That was 2001, July of 2001. I, I, I don't guess I saw her. Were you already there at that time, Jen? You were there. You, were you in the Honor Academy in 01? So she was there, and God was already speaking to me. So a year later, when Jonathan and Elaine came back, it was around 4th of July, and I, I'd brought our youth group over there as well, again, for the second year in a row. And it's crazy because they told me, they said, after the fact, they told me, Jen was there right with us, and she walked away. So I saw John and Elaine. I believe they were popping fireworks. Didn't I see you one night? 
And I was there with the team, the youth group, and I saw them, but I had just missed Jen, and this is July of 2002. Well, fast forward to September of 02, I was doing mission work in Austria, and God spoke to me, and he said, I'm going to bring your wife to you. Well, I spoke to Elaine on the phone. She said, I have a friend I want you to meet. She had never said that. She never really wanted me to meet her friends, I guess. I don't know. But she met Jen. She goes, I have someone you need to meet. Really? And I was like, really? I had a dumb question, too. I said, how tall is she? <laughs> is that weird? She goes, actually, Matt, I think she's your height. I said, ooh. It was like Mufasa. I went, ooh. <laughs> Almost told her, say it again. She's as tall as you. Ooh. I was like, man, that's, that's incredible. Okay. Well, I got off the phone. And I was all alone in Austria at that time. I was actually dog-sitting. My host family was out of the country. I was dog-sitting for like 10 days. And I was doing Bible studies and doing mission work, but I was taking care of their dog as well. And God spoke to me that night and said, that's your wife. I'm going to bring her to your mom's front door. I said, okay. Did I hear that right, Lord? I was fasting at the time. I said, all right. Well, here we are. Years later, we've been married now over 16 years. And we see that God is purposeful. Everything happens for a reason. Do you see all the divine connections? One thing at a time had to be locked into place before I met her, and only God could have done that. She's from North Carolina. I was raised out here in the beautiful, mysterious Hobbs, New Mexico. But God brought us together. He's purposeful. He's timely. And now this leads me into something else. Let's go to Luke 15.3. Luke 15.3, I want to read you this story. This is actually in the bulletin. Grab you a bulletin if you haven't on your way out today. But Luke 15.3, I love this story so much. It's Jesus telling a parable or a story. And it says, so Jesus told them this story, 15.3. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? <laughs> Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to what? Go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Somebody say joyfully. Uh, one matters. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one. Someone say one. One lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? There's more rejoicing in heaven. Let me see that verse again. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not gone astray. Isn't that powerful? Show me the end of that verse again. They haven't strayed away. So I read you that text to remind you of this. Yes, God's timely and yes, God's purposeful. But in all that, he reminds us that you matter. James, you and your wife matter. Ms. Norma, you matter. Domingo, you matter. Aram, you and your lovely wife, you matter. Alonso, you and your wife, you matter. And Jean and Uncle Richard, you matter. You as individuals, Brother Larry, Johnny, Sophia, Zeke, you all matter in here. If, if everyone matters, if he died on the cross for everyone, then you matter individually. 
Oh, I can feel his presence today. He's speaking to you. Don't ever get into, buy into the lie and say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how, how much God cares about me. I don't know if he cares about me. Oh, no, you matter. I've heard great preachers say this over the years. If it was just you he needed to save, he would have done it. He would have done it on the cross for you. But there were many who needed it. He's loving and compassionate towards you because you matter. See yourself as that lost sheep at one point, right? Where he went out to get you. I've seen beautiful paintings of this strong-looking shepherd that looks like Jesus carrying a, a sheep on his shoulders because he went out to find the one lost sheep. You matter. So today I want to tell you, get your hopes up. God's working it out. He's working something in you and through you and for you. And you say, man, I've been in a season where God is dealing with me. Well, you know what? You know the beauty of God dealing with you? You know the beauty of God bringing some form of judgment into your life to get your attention? Some kind of situation where he's working on your character even. Call it what you want. But God is dealing with your heart. You know the beauty of that? You must be important to him because you matter. And he's dealing with your heart because he cares. He cares. He's loving and compassionate toward you. Scripture says a father will discipline a son that he is pleased with. A son that matters. You're a son or a daughter who matters to God. You are actually his, and that's why he deals with you. That's why he lets stuff happen to you. That's why you've made mistakes, and you say, man, I've heard men and women of God over the years say, man, God is dealing with me. Let him deal with you and move on to the next thing. Let him correct you. God corrects those he loves. You matter. I want someone in this house to say, I matter. Yeah, you matter. He created you. He died for you. He loves you. He has a track record. He's brought you this far. How many of you have survived tragedy? Raise your hand. Doesn't have to be an accident, but just heartbreak. Uh-huh. How many of you survived an accident? Uh-huh. How many of you have a beating heart this morning? Well, you better. I mean, you'd have to be, right? Here you are. You must matter to God. You say, man, all the ones that died, they didn't matter. Oh, they, they matter. Scripture says the Lord, he takes pleasure in the death of his saints because he gets to be with them now, closer than ever. But you matter. You have a long life ahead of you. Keep putting God first. Keep putting God first because his plans, his will, his ways his ideas, his purposes and designs are best. Someone say they're best. Mm -hmm. He has not forgotten you. You say, man, I've been through depression. I've had seasons of doubt. Um, I've, I've had seasons of anxiety. I've had to do this. I've, I've been on and off meds. Hey, that's between you and God, but he's healing you right now too. That's a freebie in Jesus' name. There's somebody in here who has been on, I, I do not know who you are. Thank you, Spirit of God. There's somebody in this house You've been, on you've been on depression meds, and in the next 60 days, you will be completely free of them. In 60 days, the antidepressants will be flushed down the toilet, burned, thrown away, whatever you're going to do with them. In 60 days, if you believe that word, the prophetic word this morning of the Lord, by the Spirit of God, if you believe it and run with it, you'll be off those in 60 days. Just let it happen. 
Could be 45, could be 30, but it'll be 60 days or less. You will be off antidepressants. I don't know about all the others, but that is quickened in my spirit and in my heart by the Holy Spirit this morning is antidepressants are going. You say, man, I don't know if that's me, but I believe. Then praise God. You receive it. That is for you. I don't know who you are, male or female, younger or older, but God is delivering you in Jesus' name. You matter. You say, are meds of the devil? Oh, no, not necessarily. There's seasons we got to go through that, and some people have to be on some meds for different reasons, for their health, for their mental state or whatever. That's okay. But God can still bring healing. Don't become dependent on those forever. Don't, you don't have to rely on them forever. God is with you now and all time. The same God who saved you is strong enough to keep you. The same God who saved you is strong enough to deal with you and work on you and heal you. The same God who saved you and died for you will walk with you forever. The same God. So if everybody matters, you matter. And if you matter, there's somebody in your life who matters. Who are you called to? One. Say one forever, is that it? No, one at a time. I want to challenge you today. Before we close in prayer, as the band comes up and as the lights go down, I want to challenge you, people of God. At least once a week, reach out to someone. You say, man, I don't know how to do that. The easiest way in the world is to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? The easiest way in the world for you to, for you to reach out to somebody is to say, join me at church. Come on Wednesday. Come on Sunday. Come to this special event. Or you can just share your testimony. But either way, find a way to reach out to someone. If you ever have any questions about that, you can ask me. be happy to share my faith and my testimony with you. And many times I just give out one of the little cards that we have. I can give you those as well. And they're two-sided, Kingsgate and Centro Victoria, and I just give them to people. I say, man, you'll be our guest of honor if you show up. And many times, even when I invite people, they don't come, but sometimes they do, and they blow me away. Say, wow, they came. But people matter. And because someone was called to you, Jesus was called to you. You're called to the one, that one lost sheep. You're called. Let me review our points briefly. God is timely. God is purposeful. He does nothing by accident. Stuff doesn't happen by accident in your life. And number three, you matter. We matter. Begin to submit to God's call on your life to reach out to the one. This month we're going to hit that hard. One, the one person matters. The one person can change everything. Just like in basketball, that one player that gets drafted to a team in the NBA changes everything. Like Michael Jordan or David Robinson or some of the more modern guys. Same in football or whatever. The one matters. You're not a one man or a one woman team, but you're an important part of the team and you matter. And because of you, God can change someone else's destiny forever. Someone's future. Go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes with me this morning. Speaking of the one, if there is even one person in this house this morning who says, Pastor Matt, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to repent and turn to Jesus. If you don't return to Jesus, if you don't come to Jesus, you can't make heaven. Jesus talked about hell much more than he did heaven. Say, Pastor, is this a fire and brimstone message? No, obviously not. 
But I will mention hell and Jesus and the cross just about every single week. We're not going to shy away from that because it's your eternity. Your eternity is at stake. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice or on the live stream that would say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If I died, I don't know where I would go. If I died, I'm not sure I would make heaven. If that's you this morning, please raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. God bless you for your courage. God bless you for your courage. Thank you. Anybody else in this house? We're going to pray together as a family. We'll confess the Lord Jesus today. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's agree right now in Jesus' name. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you because of what Jesus did. I come to you because of your faithfulness. Say, I'm sorry for my sin. Cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord. I need you, and I can't live without you. So sorry for my sin. Say, I believe that Jesus is God. Say, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life, my Savior, my King. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. And say this, say, I believe you died and rose again for me. I'm free. My sins are removed because of Jesus. And I believe. Thank you for saving me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning, briefly. If God spoke to your heart about something or anything this morning, I want you to raise a hand. If God spoke to you through this message this morning, which is his word, not my word, let's agree now that that word will continue to be on good ground in your life and it will produce wonderful fruit. Father, I thank you for your people. They're willing and giving and generous and attentive and humble hearts. I thank you because you're flowing through them, Father. And I thank you your word has fallen on good ground and their lives are changed and transformed forever. Now, Lord God, speak to them. Don't let them forget this word. As they walk out of this place today, begin to minister to their hearts. Continue to let this word grow and germinate and be something mighty and powerful for today and tomorrow and the rest of their lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you for this time together, Father. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.